Today I want to talk to you for a little bit about adoption. And of course, adoption is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I'm still kind of processing what it means to have adopted Jesse into our family. But the more I think about it, the more it opens my eyes to what God has done for us as believers. And if, you know, God will use different things in life to kind of teach us lessons. And whenever I became a dad, um, it really kind of it really changed the way that I looked at things like uh, the Lord's Prayer and stuff like that, and some some of Jesus' instructions about how uh, God is our heavenly Father, and and just as uh, just as as an earthly father wouldn't give bad stuff to his kids, you know, when they come and ask for him uh, for good things, so God won't give us the bad things and, and and different things like that. And you can understand those things cognitively, but I think when you're on the other side of that relationship, it helps you to see things. Uh, from a different perspective, and, and it helped me to, to to see God a little bit differently. And such was such was the case with uh, with our adoption of Jesse. I said I'm still kind of processing uh, some of that stuff, but it, it makes me read the scriptures a little bit differently. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Romans today, and in Romans chapter eight, Paul has quite a bit to say about adoption, not how we should adopt orphans or anything like that, but rather he talks about how God has adopted us as His children. And in particular, he talks about some, um, just kind of some outworking to those uh, of that adoption, and he has quite a bit to say about it. And a couple weeks ago, I preached, and I had like five points in a sermon, and it was kind of a big sermon. If I preached all that Paul said in, in Romans eight about adoption, it would be more, it would be probably six points at least, uh, because he, he just has a lot to say. So rather than keep you here for an hour, I'm going to break it up into a couple of, of sermons. Amen. There we go. I knew I'd. I, I just I just knew that the the spirit would move all at once in that in that moment. So anyway, I want you to see how wonderful God's adoption is, and how it should be affecting our lives each and every day. And I I want you to realize that if if you've not been adopted into God's family, you can be today, if you'll put your faith in Christ uh, and Him alone for your salvation. Now where we pick up is going to be in verse twelve. And the very first word is, at least in my translation, is the word for. Your Bible may say therefore. And remember, when you see a word like therefore, you should ask, what is it there for? Uh, the word therefore, or in this case for, is a concluding word. So Paul is drawing a conclusion from what he's already said. Now, I'm not going to read the first seven chapters or seven and a half chapters to you today so you can know what he says. I'm just going to kind of sum up uh, what he covers. Basically, he says that, uh, before we are saved in our unsaved condition, we are living according to the flesh. We're following our fleshly desires. We're following after our appetites, and we are enemies of God. He says there's enmity between man and God. But God has shown his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says that in, in chapter 5. Now, because of Christ's death on the cross, we can not only be made right with God and indwelt by the Spirit, but also sin no longer has dominion over us. He has broken the power and bondage of sin, and he's given us the promise of heaven. And therefore, all the stuff that he's getting ready to say in, in verses 12 and following are true. So look, if you would, at verse 12. Uh, so then, I, I was saying it was four, but so then, same difference. Brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
I'll go ahead and read the next couple verses. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Now I want to focus on verses 12 to 15. And the first thing that he talks about in verses 12 and following is that we as Christians need to crucify the flesh. We need to crucify the flesh. In other words, uh, the wording that he uses is uh, in, uh, in, in verse 13. He says that we need to mortify the deeds of the body. And, and again, that's following our fleshly appetites. That's follow, following after those things that come naturally to us. And, and so how can we put those things to death? Because sin is not a living thing. It's not a living being. He says we should put those things to death. How does that work? Well, what that means is, is that we need to consider sin dead to us and ourselves dead to sin. Recognize that sin does not have dominion over you. See, before you become a Christian, you don't really have much of a choice when it comes to sin. Now, because of uh, the way you were raised, because fear of punishment from your parents, or, or because fear of punishment from, uh, from the governing authorities, law, police, things like that, you may have chosen not to do uh, certain things. But by and large, whenever sin came your way, you really had no power to resist it. You would just do what came naturally. And what came naturally was sin. And, and so when, when Christ comes into our lives, he breaks the power of sin over us. And so now as Christians, we don't have to do it. We, we don't have to do it because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Now, does that mean that we won't be tempted? Absolutely not. We'll, we'll still be tempted. Christ himself was tempted in the wilderness. We'll be tempted each and every day and, and, and many times throughout a day. But the great thing is, God says he'll provide a way of escape. And we can take that way of escape. We don't have to sin. And, and Paul says, either kill sin or sin will kill you. That, that's a paraphrase. It, sin always promises a lot of stuff, but it never, for, never fulfills. It always promises happiness and peace and joy, but it doesn't ever fulfill. And this is an evidence, if you'll notice, he, he makes a connection here. In verse, uh, verses 12 and 13, he says, uh, don't be, uh, you're not obliga obligated to live according to the flesh. You need to put those things to death. And then in verse uh, 14, he makes a connection. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words, this relates to our adoption because when we put to, to death the deeds of the body, when we choose not to sin, that shows that we're children of God. That shows that we're being led by the Spirit. Now, when he talks about being led by the Spirit, you know, we think, well, should I go to this college or that college? Should I date this person or that person? Should I marry this person or that person? Should I get a Ford or a Chevy or a Dodge? Which, which, what... God, give me your direction. Give me your leading. I, I don't know what, what I should do. And there is a will that he has, and he will lead us in that will, but this is not primarily what he's talking about in verse 14. Because the context shows that being led by the Spirit means that we are putting to death the deeds of the body. It shows that we are, we are instruments in his hands. He is not an instrument in our hands. He wields us. We don't wield him. And, and, and that's notice that he talks about being led. That's an inward disposition. So what this is saying is that, that if we are children of God, when we've been adopted into His family, God begins to work on our wills and our desires. And He makes it so that we want to do other than sin. We hate sin. We want to do what's right. And so, so God is at work, the Bible says, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's sanctification. So we need to be crucifying the flesh 
as Christians. Don't participate in those deeds of the flesh. So the application is, think about your own life as something ruling you besides God. Are you delving into sin? Are you getting into those things? Or is God controlling you? Are you being led by sin or led by the Spirit? Are you killing sin or is sin killing you? So as Christians, as adopted children of God, we need to crucify the flesh. Secondly, as adopted children, that means that we are chosen by God. We're chosen by God. How many of you wish that you could choose your family? I mean, let's just be honest. A few honest people. Okay, you put your hands down. I don't know how many times I've, I've seen it. I've heard people tell horror stories about going to birthdays, holidays, family reunions, and people just do not get along. They have the same last name. They share DNA, but they just... Well, they're always fighting like cats and dogs. And boy, and, and, and it's just terrible to be in those situations. There's a lot of tension. And the only way that a parent can choose, I mean, kids can't choose their parents, parents can't choose their kids, except through what? Adoption. Now, in adoption, family happens not because of biology, but because of choice. In adoption, you pick the child. You choose that child. It's taking somebody and you move them from one family to another family. Now, I look at Jesse, and sometimes people look at her, and they look at me. And then they'll look at Scarlett, and we're like, why does sour cream? And she is not, <laughs> right? And they look at us, and they, they kind of pause for a second. It is obvious that she went from one family to another that is not her, not her natural biological family. And the same thing happens in, in adoption spiritually. We are not naturally God's children. We, we, we don't become His children by, by some works that we do. We're not His children because of our, our race. We're not children because of natural birth. We become His children because He chooses us. He adopts us into His family. He takes us from one family and puts us in another family. Just like, just like has happened with, with some of us. And, and we go from your father the devil to our father which art in heaven. From the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says, to the kingdom of light. From death to light, the, the book of Ephesians, I believe it is, talks about those of us who are far off have now been brought near. God, has, God does a work where He takes us from one family and brings us into His family. And all those former ties are severed. Now we're God's, God's children. We say, but pastor, I thought the Bible talked about being born again. Isn't that what Jesus said to Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3? And he said, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Yes, the Bible does use different imagery to talk about our relationship to God as a Christian. I really liked what, what uh, one commentator said. He said, we should also remark the difference between adopt, the adoption of man and the adoption of God. In choosing a son by adoption, the adopting party has regard to certain real or supposed qualities which appear meritorious or agreeable. But God, in adopting his people, himself produces the qualities in those whom he thus chooses. Now, this is kind of an old commentary, so that was a mouthful to say. When we look at people, if you're, if you're going to adopt somebody, you might go to an orphanage, let's say, and you'd say, oh, look at that baby. He's got, he's got eyes just like me. I'm gonna. That's the one I. I I'm gonna choose that child. Well, I'm looking for a a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Oh, that's there. There she is. 
That's the one I'm going to choose. Oh, this one is, is so cuddly and sweet. That has such a, she has such a, an agreeable disposition. That's the one I'm going to choose. We, we look at those things and we will make our, our choices based on outward things, but God, when He looks at us, He can't do that. He can't look at us and say, Oh, look at Jeff. He's so cuddly and sweet. I'm going to choose him because I don't deserve it. I'm not cuddly and sweet. Neither are you. We, we don't deserve to be God's children. And so God doesn't look at us and say, I'm going to choose him or her because he is, he is good. She is good. We're not. We don't deserve to be adopted. But instead, God will work in our lives to change us. The commentator goes on to say, Man can impart his goods and give his name to those whom he adopts, to, to those whom he adopts, but he cannot change their descent nor transfer them into his own image. But God renders those whom he adopts not only partakers of his name and of his blessings, but of his nature itself, charging and transforming them into his own blessed resemblance. And this adoption then is accompanied with a real change and so great a change that it bears the name of which is the real ground of sonship, and this is called regeneration. And these are inseparable. There are no sons of God uh, by adoption, but such as those are sons by regeneration. This is new life breathed into them by God. In other words, God will take us, and He will adopt us into His family, and then you may not look anything like Him, so to speak, in the way that you act. You don't resemble Him at all. But God will transform our hearts so that we begin to look like His Son. He will transform us into the image of Christ, the Bible says. And so through that process of sanctification, those of us who, who were enemies of God now become children of God, and we begin to show a family resemblance. That's this adoption by God. He chooses us. Now, you're not, you might be noticing that the emphasis that I'm, I'm laying on this is on God in this adoption. And the emphasis is on God and salvation is not on man. Because God is the one who saves us. We don't save ourselves. We don't really have a, a huge part in the salvation process. And just like with human adoption, God chooses us. You say, oh, now, Pastor, I don't think I like that. But listen to what this verse says. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Later on in, in John, in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Paul says in Ephesians 1, He predestined us to adoption as sons, through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of His glory, uh, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. So God freely chooses us, not on any merit of our own, but simply by His grace, by the good intention, the kind intention of His will. You say, well, where does man come into it? Well, what did what did that one verse say? But as many as received Him, to them He became the, son, the, the right to become children of God. We have to put our faith in God. We have to put our faith in Christ, specifically, and His work on the cross. Now, now, man has a responsibility. In Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And He says, I would have gathered you like a, a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You wouldn't have any part of it. He didn't say you could not. He said you would not. And all throughout the Bible, especially in the Gospels, the book of Acts, what do we hear over and over again? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. We have to put our faith in Christ. We have to believe. 
So we have a responsibility, and yet the Bible teaches that God chooses us. There's sovereignty of God, the freedom of man. How do those things work together? I don't know. You don't know. None of us knows. I've read all kinds of commentators, a lot smarter than I will ever be, and they don't know either. And the reason that we don't know is because it goes beyond our comprehension. It goes beyond our understanding. What I do know is that God has chosen you if you're a Christian. He's chosen me in Christ and He adopts us into His family. The last thing that He moves on to, look at verse 15, is confident adoration. Look at what He says. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now Paul is going on here to show that we have a new relationship. And he makes a contrast between slaves and sons. He said, you didn't receive a spirit of slavery, but of adoption. And you say, but pastor, I thought that when we got saved, the Bible says that we became, become slaves of God. Yeah, we are servants of God, we're slaves of God, but that's not the focus of what he's talking about. What he's contrasting here is when you're, when you're a slave... Back in, back in that day, when you were a slave, you, you had a certain position in the house. Now, you may, have, you may have been dear to your master's heart. You may move up in, in family responsibilities. You may be very trusted. But at the end of the day, no matter how much they thought of you, you were still a slave. You had to order your life around what your master commanded you to do. The, the, the master said, go get some water for me. You went and got water. Okay, that's that's this idea of slavery. But in contrast to that, there and there's this there's always going to be a distance between master and slave. There's always going to be there's not that same relationship as with a father and a son. So the contrast between slaves and sons is a son doesn't have that con that, that distance. He should be obedient to his father's will, but not because the father says, Go get the water. It's because the father says, I want some water. So the son says, because I love you, I'm going to serve what, and do what you want. There's that, there's that love, and, and that's the motivation. It's not servile fear. It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a, a motivation of love. And so you don't have that distance with a, a master and a slave, but a son and a father. And, and we as Christians should do what our father in heaven wants because we love him. Jesus said to his, his disciples, he said, I no longer call you servants, but what? Friends. Because I've told you what, what the will of my, my father is. So he makes two contrasts, one between slaves and sons, but also between adoration and fear. He says that we haven't received a spirit of fear again, but a spirit of adoption. And this spirit of fear is talking about primarily being scared of God. Okay, now the Bible uses the, the phrase fear of God in a positive way. We should fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom, things like that. But you have to remember, before we get saved, what do we have? We have the law. The law says, if you, uh, thou shalt not steal. Okay, we'll throw that out there. We'll, thou shalt not steal. So we don't do it. Why? Because if thou shalt steal, this is going to happen to you. Same thing we tell our kids. Don't do this. You're going to get a whipping. 
don't do this or whatever's going to happen. You're going to be grounded. You're going to you know, lose cell phone. You're going to whatever it is. We have fear of punishment. That's what's being talked about. We, when we become children of God, we don't have the spirit of fear where God's going to say, I'm going to get you because you haven't done this. But instead we have a spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And that, that word cry is emphatic in the Greek. That's the emphasis. That's the most powerful thing. And it, 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 it refers to a spontaneous rising up of strong emotion. In other words, we don't have to work ourselves up to love God. It just comes out. We don't have to sit out in the car before we come into church and be like, Oh, I can do this. I can do it. I can smile at everybody. I can act like I love God and you know, and, and pick up ourselves up and then we go out. I'm glad that's over with. Oh, that's not what it is. It's when we're when we sing praises to God, we're 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 adoring Him. It's not you know we don't have to go to a certain kind of worship service and where they pump us up. They have the lights and the music and and the smoke machines. We don't have to have that. It's it's this crying out, this this Abba Father, this adoration. And that word Abba, it's an Aramaic word. It's a very intimate word that basically means daddy. Jesus used this phrase whenever he's in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father. Maybe he's on the cross. Abba, Father. It's, it's, you know, as, as a dad, I like daddy. Now, I'm pretty cold-hearted, honestly. I know that doesn't surprise many of you, but I am. But like the other day, it was Friday, Scarlett was getting ready to take Jesse to the football game. And and I not too long before that, I just had to get on Jesse and and you know how that is. You don't you don't like to do it, but you have to do it and and so she was getting ready to leave and then out of the blue she came up to me, I was I was sitting there in, in the chair, and she kept climbed, climbed up on my lap, gave me a great big hug and a kiss and said, I love you, Daddy. You know what? Even that thawed the old heart out a little bit. And, and that's, that's this phrase, Abba, Daddy, Father. It's a very intimate thing. Now, don't be telling Jesse about any of that, because I know as she gets older, it'll be Daddy. You know, I, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's that intimate relationship. It's a close relationship. Now, among the Jews, a slave cannot call their master Abba because that was that was a free man and they were a slave. You couldn't do that. That was a no-no. Because Abba signified a real father. And that's, that's Paul's point in verse 15. We're no longer slaves. We're free men. God has set us free and we are his children. And therefore we can cry out Abba, Father. And folks, if you've been set, if you're a believer, you've been set free. We sang about it earlier. You're part of the family of God. We're not perfect. We all, you know, just like, you know, a lot of us have dysfunctional families. Churches sometimes are dysfunctional. We have, you know, we're, it's, it's not a perfect harmony. But we're still part of His family. We've been adopted. We've been born again. God has chosen you as a child. Did you deserve it? Absolutely not. Sometimes we get to thinking, that we did deserve it, but if we'll take an honest look at our lives and how many times we actually fail and you know, some of the tones that we take when we talk and just some of the actions we do, we'll realize that we don't deserve to be God's child. 
God didn't pick you based on your worthiness. And I'm glad because I didn't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. But you know what? God has chosen us anyway. Just let that thought sink into your heart that God has chosen you. Why? I don't know. Why do you choose me? I don't know. But He has. And that should bring us joy. That should lift our spirits. It should, it should kind of buoy, buoy us. It should lift us up during those hard times in life. But it may well be that as you, uh, as you read this text, as you heard about the adoption of sons and daughters, that, you, that, that the Spirit of God has told you, you are not a Christian. You, you, you come to church, you sing the songs, you try to live right, but you've never actually put your faith in Christ. You know what? You can do that today. Because the, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. Now, if you've never accepted Christ, today you can do that. You can put your faith in Him, and that's the only way that you can be made right with God. That's the only way to have your sins forgiven. That's the only way to be adopted into God's family. Now, if you need to do that, today's the day.